Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Bring the Virtual Balance from the Office of Health and Wellness at Baruch College. My name is Shermeen, and I am your co-host for the day. I am joined today with my co-host and fellow PAUSE peer mentor, Paramjeet. Hello, everyone. My name is Paramjeet, and we are so happy to be back for another episode. For those listeners who are new to Bring the Virtual Balance, in this podcast, we discuss a variety of topics that relate to the dimensions of the wellness wheel, with the focus on how each wellness component affects our student community. For today's episode, I'm so excited to announce that we will be joined by a few climate scholars from Brute College to discuss how members of the college community can engage in sustainable practices. But before we jump into our insightful discussion, uh, let's give a warm welcome to our guest speakers for today. Joining us are Carla and Chelsea, two Baruch Climate Scholars on our campus. So if the Baruch Climate Scholars, if you guys could please introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you do in your roles. Yeah, thank you so much, Parmjeet and Shermeen. Um, hi everyone, my name is Chelsea and I was a Climate Scholar last year in the first Baruch Climate Scholars cohort. Um, I'm very passionate about bringing awareness to the impacts of climate change in New York City mainly through education and community engagement. Um, I received my BBA in entrepreneurial management from Baruch with a minor in environmental sustainability this year. And as an undergraduate, I was able to engage in research focused on climate-induced migration, fear ecology, GIS modeling, as well as carbon pricing policy. As a climate scholar, I had the opportunity to do research with different professors at Baruch and I also had the opportunity, opportunity to intern at the Environmental Defense Fund. I'm currently the, one of the program coordinators with Carla um, for the Brute Climate Scholars Program. And I'm also an environmental educator with NYCH2O, which is a nonprofit that focuses on water ecology education. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to ignite curiosity about our natural environment in other students through my education work and with the Brute Climate Scholars. My hope is that together we can build innovative solutions to mitigate the negative impacts of climate change and to help create a safe and equitable future for all New Yorkers. And I'll pass it on to Carla to introduce herself as well. Thank you, Chelsea. My name is Carla. I'm a senior at Baruch College, and I was a part of last year's cohort for the Climate Scholars Program. And this year, I help coordinate with the program with Chelsea. I'm also the program manager for the Recovery Corps Resiliency Group, which is now being hosted by Baruch College as well. We collect public data on New York City's most heat vulnerable communities and create solutions to mitigating the urban heat island effect. Um, it's a quite exciting project that we're doing. So as a climate scholar, we engage in interdisciplinary study of climate change topics. As Chelsea said, we participate in climate change-based labs where we research different topics of our interests, whether it's psychology or business. We also participate in climate change-based research labs. I said that. Um, and we intern in climate and sustainability-based internships in either the public or private sector. We also read about pressing climate change issues and policy and create solutions to help plan for a more resilient future. Most importantly, as climate scholars, we learn about climate change issues and educate our communities, peers, and families in hopes of creating awareness and encouraging action. Thank you so much for um, sharing and for joining us today. Uh, we are so excited to kind of just get right into this discussion. 
Um, so as individuals, we've all seen or heard words um, like climate change, being sustainable, going green. And sometimes people can actually not fully understand what these words mean or what these terms refer to. Um, so could you please begin, us by, begin by telling us what climate change is and why it's an important issue to raise awareness about it? Yeah, of course. Um, to start off, I think it's important to understand the difference between climate and weather. So weather is the changes in the temperature that you feel outside on a short-term day-to-day basis. You know, some days it's hot, some days it's cold. Right now, New York City is kind of in that in-between stage of having hot days and cold days. Um, while climate is more the average weather in a region, and this varies by where you are and what season it is. So this kind of brings us to what is climate change. So climate change is the unusual shifts in climate, such as changes in temperature or changes in precipitation and snow, which fall outside of what is considered normal for that area or for that season. Some effects that we experience from climate change that you could be familiar with are rising sea levels, melting glaciers, increased frequency of natural disasters such as hurricanes, and an increased global temperature in general. It's important to raise awareness about climate change because it affects all of us on a personal level. Some of you have, may have experienced droughts or hurricanes or heat waves and even flooding. Um, and so climate change puts our lives at risk. And by educating those around us, we can help mitigate that risk and plan for a more resilient future. That's really interesting. Like I've realized, like especially current times, like I've been hearing more. There's like a like the biggest superstorms happening. Like first it was last year, then it's this year. It's it's been happening regularly. So like I feel that learning about these practices as individuals and as a society, it it needs to be spoken about more. So what we read about like climate change online or on the news, we're, we're starting to hear the long term effects and how it's going to be for the younger generations and how that might be worrisome down the road. Um, actually, according to NASA, they say many of the effects of climate change are actually already occurring. And they mentioned that, quote, glaciers have shrunk, ice on rivers and lakes is breaking up earlier, plant and animal ranges have shifted, and trees are flowering sooner. And then in terms of future effects, they're saying that temperatures are just going to keep rising, there's going to be more droughts, there's going to be more heat waves, hurricanes will be more intense, the Arctic may end up ice-free. So it's a lot going on so um could you just touch upon like why these changes like the glaciers melting temperatures rising like why how would that affect the environment and most like how negatively would it change the environment and the society yeah thank you so it's definitely true um we've all witnessed it we've all seen that these um weather events and extreme events are happening just recently we saw Hurricane Ida here in New York, that probably affected everyone on this call. Um, but there are many reasons that these issues, I think you mentioned glaciers melting and temperatures rising. There's many reasons that they have negative impacts. So the first issue of glaciers melting, it has impacts both at the site of the glacier, but it also has impacts that are very far reaching. So for instance, if you think about that glacier, it was once part of an ecosystem that was supporting many plants and animals. You might think about penguins or polar bears. They might've called that glacier their home. And now it's no longer there. So that ecosystem has been disrupted and all of those plants and animals that were relying on that glacier are no longer able to survive. 
And, you know, it might also sound crazy, but that glacier melting has impacts as far reaching as all of us out here in New York City. So as the glaciers melt, the water has to go somewhere and it spills out into our oceans. So this leads to sea levels rising, as Carla mentioned before, that's another impact of climate change. And if you think about a place like New York that's surrounded by water and many other places around the world where we've built human civilizations, as these sea level rise, as the sea levels rise, it puts us, our infrastructure, and all of our communities at risk of flooding and other negative effects of sea level rise. Um, another thing that you mentioned was temperatures rising. So as we all know, if temperatures are above a certain level, it can be unhealthy or even life-threatening for humans to be within that environment. We're now seeing that in many places around the world where we've built human civilizations when the temperature was at a point that was healthy for humans, the temperatures are rising to a point that are not conducive to humans living there anymore. So in these scenarios, the humans have to do something else. It means that the people living there where in the places that have become too warm, they might have to move to other places. They might have to migrate either to other towns, other cities, or in some cases, other countries, just to have somewhere that's healthy enough to live. It can also be very dangerous because many of these places are not prepared for extreme heat. So they're not adequately prepared for with things such as air conditioning, or they might not have proper resources in order to prepare themselves to deal with these uh, heat scenarios. One last thing that I wanted to talk about is the urban heat island effect. So that was something that Carla mentioned. Another program that we help coordinate is uh, called the RCCR group at Baruch. Um, and we have many students who are looking at the urban heat island effect in New York. And that's something where when you have a city that's filled with lots of buildings such as New York, it actually traps the heat much more than somewhere that wasn't so compact with all that infrastructure. So we have a group of students right now who are doing research into this to look at all of our neighborhoods around New York City to see whether or not they're resilient to the effects of urban heat island effect as the temperatures continue to rise. Make sure that all of our fellow New Yorkers are prepared to deal with this. Thank you so much for giving that insight. I, I feel like I'm learning so much that I haven't hadn't known before. Um, and to just like, I guess, add on to what you, um, what Chelsea had said, um, and something we do want to also talk about is like how climate change has a negative impact on human health, both mental and physical. Um, so uh, Sharmin and I found an article by the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration um, on climate change impacts. And they had mentioned that, um, and something Chelsea also kind of mentioned was changes to the environment will bring changes to our water resources, food supply, environmental resources, which will definitely impact our day-to-day -day lives. Um, and yeah, and as mentioned by the article, food supply is dependent on climate and weather conditions. And as weather conditions get more harsh due to changes in the climate, um, it will definitely have an impact on agriculture and the food supply. And something that was also mentioned, um, extreme weather conditions that occur to the changes in the climate, such as flooding, um, frequent intense hurricanes, which like Hurricane Ida that New York and many other areas recently experienced, wildfires, droughts, and more can cause people to be at risk for medical conditions such as heat strokes, injuries, and spread of diseases. It, when you read about this, it seems very scary and it's like very overwhelming, which also then in turn kind of has an impact on our mental health 
And I know many people who worry about, okay, what can we do to help our planet and our environment? What, what can I do to make the difference in like, preventing this or changing this? And now to ask, um, is it possible for us as individuals to make a difference? Um, and if so, how do we start if we have no idea where to begin? Yeah, I think it's, you bring up a great point. It is very scary and overwhelming when thinking about climate change. Um, I'm, I'm a research assistant for an environmental psychology lab. And one of the labs that we're doing a study in kind of talks about the anxiety of climate change and the fear of the future about climate change. So I'm glad that these are topics being brought up. It's not just environmental issues that we're facing. We're, we're facing personal mental health issues as well. So it's important to Kind of bring these topics up and talk about them and something that can be done is just to understand climate change it's such a crucial step in being able to make a difference um, when you don't understand something it's hard to create an interest for it or to even focus on it so just being able to understand what climate change is what its effects are and what's currently happening in terms of maybe policy or what your community itself is doing regarding climate regarding like how to solve climate change issues Something I always encourage individuals to do is to just educate yourself on the effects of climate change. It's also important to speak to your friends, family, and community about climate change. This way you don't feel alone. And it allows you to go into this ongoing conversation and where you can come up with solutions and advocate for action. Many of the communities may not know about climate change. You know, I come from a, a Latino background and you know, I'm a Mexican and it's not something that like I sit down at the dinner table with my Latina mom and I, I talked to her about it, but sometimes I have friends that, you know, don't belong to the Latino community and they're like, oh, I talk about climate change all the time with my parents. And so it's like sometimes just having that conversation with your friends and families and letting them know about the issues of climate change and, you know, talking about what's happening in your community gives them a voice and gives them an idea of what climate change issues are present. And then there's new communities that are now interested and have a voice within the climate change community. And that's super impactful because you can't, you can't solve climate change in just one aspect or one component. It has to be global and it has to include every individual and every type of group of people for it to really be solvable. Um, and for us to really make strides and achieve change. Some things that you can do kind of on a personal level can include, can include adopting a more green lifestyle, joining an organization, you can learn and read about environmental issues. Something that's really important is to talk to policymakers and local representatives about climate change and the policies and kind of action plans for the future. Another thing that's important is holding these huge corporations that emit massive amounts of pollution accountable and holding their business models accountable and just, you know, Maybe you don't shop from people that are high polluters and instead you go local or instead you kind of focus on these more sustainable businesses. But a lot of the time, it's not just on us to solve climate change. It's, it's also for holding people that are higher up, such as your government and these huge money-making corporations accountable and using your voice and using your community to bring awareness to these people and asking them to stop and to really take a look at what's happening around and encourage them to not just change their ways for you, but for the future generations that are gonna live on this planet far, you know, once you're gone. So I just, I always try to kind of motivate and encourage people. There's a lot of negativity when talking about climate change and people almost avoid it because they don't wanna be sad or they don't wanna 
be burdened by the idea of it. So I always try to come at it with a positive light and really just push for motivation and push, push for encouragement regarding this topic. Absolutely. I think like, you know, it certainly sounds like even though people might, it's it, they don't want to kind of talk about it, but there's actually that they can do. Like there's a lot they can do. I like you guys mentioned earlier, I had totally forgotten about that Ida that came like September 1st. I remember the date. Like it it was actually shook me up because I was like coming from the city, going to going home and everything. It felt like I was passing through like a tornado or something. It was crazy weather. But I remember like days afterwards, then like the, the government finally realized, New York City government, that like infrastructure needs to be improved. Like this is not gonna slide down the road. So people spoke up, they saw the impact and there was action. So I think it's important that you can do a lot if you really do voice your opinions and you reach out to and holding people accountable who are higher up. Um, to follow up on that, I would actually, for the listeners who may have heard this term sustainable, they might not know what it fully means. So could you guys just explain what sustainable is and how it is beneficial to put your foot forward in our environment? Yeah, so sustainability is definitely a very complex topic um, and it is hard to understand exactly what it is. But if I were to put it in a simple definition, I would just say that it's creating a world where both people and the planet can live harmoniously together. Um, one misconception about sustainability that a lot of people think is that it only has to do with the environment, but there's actually three pillars of sustainability. So the first one is environmental, the second one is social, and the third one is economic. Um, environmental sustainability focuses on how we're using our natural resources, so things like food and water, how we're managing our land, how we're managing the pollutants that we're letting out into our atmosphere. The second pillar is called social sustainability, and that focuses on standard of living, access to education, and a big part of that is also making sure that there is an equitable split of resources among all people in the world. And then finally, we have economic sustainability. So that refers to profit, cutting costs to make sure that things are being produced in a way that makes sense. And also just making sure that all people around the world have equal access to economic prosperity. So in a world that if we wanted to imagine a world that's truly sustainable, we would see equity across all these three pillars, across the social pillar, across the environmental pillar, and across the economic pillar. In this kind of world, a sustainable world, all people would have access to the same resources. And we would really be ensuring that when we take a resource from the earth, we're not only taking them for ourselves to use, but we're also replenishing these resources as we're using them. Thank you for explaining that. I, I don't know about you, Shomin, but I did not know there were three pillars of sustainability. So it's very important to kind of know that. Um, so yeah, being not that knowing that there's more than just like, I guess, in, being environmentally sustainable, there's also two other pillars we should um, look into. And it's absolutely important to recognize um, and sustainable practices are important to engage in. Um, speaking of which, um, many people may have the belief that you have to, I guess, do extreme life changes to be um, sustainable across all three, but could you touch upon what reducing your carbon footprint looks like and what simple activities we as students or at the, in the college community can engage in to help minimize our carbon footprint? 
Yeah, it's a great question. One of the things Chelsea and I actually like to do with our climate scholars and with the RCCR students is we give out a quiz. It's like called the carbon footprint quiz. You can look these up. They're all over the internet. And you can take it and you kind of just put in some of your lifestyle choices that you make and it'll pop up this number. And then you can kind of try to figure out ways to minimize it. So just a thing to throw out there if you're bored and if you have access to the internet, type in carbon footprint quiz and it can help you kind of estimate what your carbon footprint is currently. For those of you that don't know what a carbon footprint is, it corresponds to the amount of CO2 that you're directly or indirectly producing to support your lifestyle and, and any activities within your lifestyle. Some simple activities that can help reduce your carbon footprint that aren't super crazy or super drastic can be things such as carrying a reusable water bottle around. New Yorkers are great at this. We use public transportation, which is just another great way to reduce your carbon footprint in comparison to driving a car all the time. Another fun thing can be to thrift your clothes instead of buying fast fashion. Composting is a very easy thing to do as well. As long as you have a list, you can kind of like pin it onto your fridge and whenever you don't know if you can compost something or not, you know, just look at that list and then throw it in the corresponding bags that you have set out for yourself. Something that's really easy is to switch off the lights when you leave a room. Um, and one of the most important ones is to get politically active, telling your representatives that you want to decarbonize your communities, um, simply using your voice to let them know what you want and when you want it. And, you know, voting, it goes a long way. I know we're told all the time as young people that we have to vote, but if you really want to see change in your communities, going out and using your voice and voting is a great way to get that change implemented. Awesome. I think all those points were great. Hopefully the listeners today were inspired and they have motivation to go out there and do these things themselves. Um, so before we do wrap up, though, I do have like a, a few final closing questions that I'd like to ask. Um, so now we spoke about sustainability, preparing these habits to implement. Um, what is one sustainable habit or practice that you want to implement? We can all like answer this one and or something that you've already implemented. I know for me, like one thing that I do is I leave a room, like you mentioned, Carla, turn the lights off. Or if I'm like washing the dishes, shut the water. If I'm like not using it, brushing my teeth, stopping the water. So that's something I do. Like, what about you guys? What have you been doing? Yeah, so um, I can share. I mean, there are definitely a lot of things that I try to do in my daily life, but I think something that I've been trying to be really conscious about lately is you know, really thinking about where I'm buying things from. As Carla mentioned before, you know, it's it's important to take action on an individual level, but combating climate change is something that needs to be addressed on all levels on, you know, it's a cooperative effort. It's not just the individual who's responsible. In fact, it's not the individual who's responsible at all. It's it's everyone in the world. And a lot of a lot of the responsibility falls on governments. It also falls on corporations. So if you're thinking about, you know, where you're buying that shirt from, where you're buying your food from, where you're buying any of the things in your life, you really have the power to impact those corporations to make a difference. You know, if you say, well, I'm not going to buy something from you because you're not engaging in equitable practices for your people or equitable practices for the environment, then, you know, if everyone decides not to buy anything from them, then they go out of business and that's making a huge impact. So I think that that's something that you know, you can do that's on an individual level, but it makes a big impact um, on, on a larger scale as well. 
I guess I can also kind of share. Um, similar to you, Shermin, I've been sort of being more conscious about like turning lights off. I've been encouraging my little siblings to also do the same um, around the house and wherever they go. Um, and I guess to move on to the next question, um, people often reflect on their past and learn from their experiences. Do you, um, do you guys have any piece of advice or words of encouragement for the listeners today as they embark on their journey to like learn about being more sustainable and helping give back to our planet? Yeah, piece of advice is to not feel so overwhelmed. It's so easy to go on the internet and search something up and just, just be taken aback. But yeah, just don't feel so overwhelmed by the amount of information that's out there. There's also easier ways to digest information. There's so many new Instagram and TikTok pages out there that, you know, kind of condense information, make it almost fun and enjoyable for you to read or watch and learn about things that are occurring in the community, in the climate change community. Um, and just another piece of advice is, you know, it's sometimes hard to talk about climate change and there's kind of that negative stigma of, talking about climate change with your friends and it being depressing and kind of having no hope. And so I just really encourage you all to talk about the things that do motivate you, talk about the things that do interest you regarding climate change topics and kind of go with those, try to have conversations based on the things that make you excited and just, you know, keep talking. Having a conversation about this is the best way to get more people attached to the idea and to learn about climate change and the more we know about it and the more passionate we are about climate change, then the more we're willing to kind of activate ourselves to do something about it. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, Chelsea, do you have any final words or? Really? Yeah, I think kind of similar to what Carla was saying. Um, I think just the biggest thing is to try to have hope. Um, a lot of the time when we hear things about climate change, it's spoken about in a very negative light. And it's true. It is a very difficult topic to think about. It is very negative. There are a lot of really, really horrific things happening all over the world as a result of climate change. And unfortunately, those events are going to continue happening. But I think we have to, you know, if, if we want to make change, we have to look at it um, or we have to think about the fact that there is hope for a different kind of future. And we have to envision that future. And if we focus on, you know, all of the negatives and sometimes it can become very overwhelming and we end up not doing anything. But if we're able to envision a different kind of future, a future where we do have equity among all people, we do have, you know, a beautiful planet that we're all caring for. then I think that that's something that's a lot easier to strive for when we keep that hope alive. Absolutely. So I, those were all just great pieces, pieces of advice that people can follow, words of encouragement for y'all to be inspired by. So that does conclude our episode for today. I'd like to thank Carla and Chelsea for joining us today, for sharing your wonderful advice, providing your expertise on today's topic. It has been such an insightful conversation learning about why, learn, uh, learning about why climate change matters and how we as individuals can reduce our carbon footprint. So I know you all are like with your work as Baruch Climate Scholars, you guys have the best access to resources. You guys are always in, in the known about what's happening. So do you have any resources that you'd like to highlight? Any shout outs to anything that you guys really look at most often? Um, if you do, we can also include it in our episode bio. If there's any shout outs for websites or sources. 
Yeah, we've actually compiled a resource list that we tend to give out to Baruch students. Um, we can kind of give you guys the link and you can include it in the bio so people can click through those different links and through those different websites. And there's Instagram accounts, podcasts, newspapers. There's really a bunch of tons of really good and informational things on there that people can kind of use to their benefit. Another thing is that we have a listserv where we run monthly newsletters and have email blasts that contain information, opportunities, education, and events regarding climate change, sustainability, and resiliency. And so all you have to do to sign up for that is to just email the baruch.climatescholars at baruch.cuny.edu, and we'll sign you up for the listserv, and then you'll start to get those monthly newsletters as well as email blasts regarding any of these events or webinars or internships, jobs. Really, we kind of post everything on there. Awesome. Thank you so much. I can't wait to take a look at those resources and also share with um, our listeners. Um, well, that concludes our episode for today. We hope our listeners enjoy the conversations we had today. Um, remember, if you have any questions, you can always reach out to healthandwellness at baruch.cuny.edu. And thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful day.